0: Hey, Edge of Gladiators, Marlena Taylor here. We are back in 2019 with our new slate of incredible podcast guests, and I could not be more excited uh, than to have um, not only just a, another warrior in the arena for kids, but mm-hmm. also one that understands a critical piece of being a kid, which is the power of play. So let me introduce you to Michael J. Hines, and, uh, and I just can't wait to uh, share with you guys and let him share his story. So Michael, if you'd like to say hello.
1: Oh, sure. Hello. Uh, Thank you for allowing me to be on this wonderful podcast. And yeah, play is something that I'm extremely passionate about. So hopefully I won't bore people to death. And I'll talk about all the science behind it and why we need to do much more of it within our classrooms.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So first, first question. Hope you're ready for it. I'm ready. Let everyone know, Michael, how do you gladiate for kids?
1: It's it's really, it's pretty simple, actually. Um, I do three things. One is I have three core values that I think everybody um, knows because I make them very apparent and clear to everyone that, that I serve. Uh, First thing is um, kids first. And the reason or the way I go about that is I actually shadow kids. Hmm. So I shadow kids for the full day K through 12. And I do that uh, once a year. And I think the hardest, well, actually the easiest thing to do is to is to forget about what it's like to be a kid. So um, especially as an administrator, and especially as a superintendent. So we need to put ourselves in the positions of kids so we can serve them much more, I wanna say, uh, effectively. So by taking time out of your day, I wanna say at least 13 times out of the school year uh, to shadow a student, you have to put kids first and your schedule second. And um, I wanna tell you right now, that opportunity, never gets old i learn something new every single every single time i do it and i'm physically exhausted after i do it Ah, (laughs) no 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 joke uh the the second thing i do is i actually substitute for teachers as well because i i want to say as administrators we forget what it's like to be in the classroom from that standpoint um so The way I advocate for teachers is to put myself in their position. You forget what it's like to write a lesson plan. You forget what it's like when someone observes you. You forget what it's like when it's in the middle of March and there are no days off and you're just exhausted. And so by putting myself in those positions at the elementary, middle, and high school, it allows me to have that perspective. I never want that to go away. And then the third one is parents. You know, it's important that we always understand and appreciate the perspective of parents Especially nowadays, as opposed to when I was in school back in the 70s and 80s, you know, K through 12, um, and, and to value parents' input and to understand where they're coming from doesn't doesn't mean you'll always agree with them, but you need to understand those perspectives. So, to, so to really suspend judgment the best way we can, um, by I, I feel taking those three things, um, it allows me to be the ultimate advocate and gladiator for my school district.
0: I love it. Um, Listeners, I hope that you uh, wrote down those three things. And if not, definitely rewind back in this podcast, whether you're watching it on our YouTube channel or you're listening to it on one of the podcast platforms. Um, Those are three huge key points. Um, And I would like to jump back to, I think, point number two, um, maybe, or was it point number one with the uh, shadowing the kids? Point number two? Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah, that that was number one, but it feels like number two because it was a very long answer. (laughs) No, no, you're fine.
0: Um, I'm just trying to soak it all in and like my fingers are typing furiously on my phone right now to get it all down. But how did you start? Tell me about the start of shadowing kids because I think that's an important piece.
1: Yeah, it it really is. I, um, I started doing that when I was a principal. Oh, gosh. Uh, Well over 10 years ago. Um, So as an elementary principal, it was important for me to understand the building, all the different nuances. And so I didn't just shadow students when I was a principal, but I shadowed what it's like to work in the kitchen, what it's like to work um, on the bus, what it's like to all those different um, positions within a school. So, I wanted to understand the system from a much deeper uh, standpoint, again, to make better decisions. When I became a superintendent, I wanted to follow suit, and I wanted to do the same thing. and um, I've been doing it for years and And to be honest with you, um it really allows me um, to understand the impact of decisions that are made. The reason why we to segue into play, the reason why we doubled recess from twenty minutes to forty minutes, in the school district I'm in right now, and have a 40-minute lunch. So we have 40 minutes of recess and a 40-minute lunch block back to back. It's 80 minutes where adults get out of the kid's way, right? But I wouldn't have done that unless I shadowed my – I started with third grade. And so initially it was 20 minutes. We went outside. you know, We went to go play kickball. By the time you get out there, you pick the teams. They blew the whistle, and it was time to come back in. And I was just as angry as the kids were. I'm like, what do you mean? We just got out here. We we didn't even get to kick the ball. So when you see it from that perspective and you understand it, and then you start digging deeper and you understand the research and and how important it is for kids to play, or anything else that you're doing when you're shadowing kids, it allows you to speak almost as a resident expert, you know, when it comes to those things. and, And to really articulate why it is so important for kids to have this time. So I've been very fortunate where the teachers don't get freaked out when I'm shadowing kids like because you know sometimes if the superintendent's hanging out with a, a child all day in a classroom they're probably going, "Well, what are they writing down about me and how are they observing me? Are they going to use it against me?" And sure. you have to build a lot of trust. You have to do a whole bunch of things before you just before you do it. And um, again, I've been very fortunate.
0: That's awesome. I only know of um, not that I know everyone in the world of education in this (laughs) arena, but um, just in my close circle of PLN, I only have uh, truly one uh, one leader that also shadows kids. Neil Gupta uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and he talks about the power of that in our PLN and our boxer groups and things like that. And I think he heard about it and he wasn't quite sure how to start doing it. So he just did it, like picked someone and followed them through the day. And he, he says many of the yeah. same things that, that you're saying right now. He has perspective now from the student instead of perspective from just a managerial, um, I hate the middle school guy, managerial, uh, scheduling, master scheduling, uh, piece there. So if one were to start, uh, Wanting to start uh, shadowing, sure. what would be the first couple of things that they would need to do, and then we're going to jump into play.
1: You bet. Yeah, and that's a great question. It's um, the, the first thing I do is I meet with the student. Well, I randomly, you know, so it's like a lottery, you know. So when it's a particular grade, uh, it'll be a lottery. It could be a male or a female. It could be a self-contained classroom. It could be a general education classroom. It doesn't matter. Whoever that student is, I ask the parents um, to come meet me uh with the student and i'll say listen this is what i'm looking to do and this is what the day is going to look like um, my goal is to not embarrass you <laughs> you know i actually dress down so i'll dress in jeans and, and a shirt and you know i'll try to look like i'm whatever age you know i'm, I'm <laughs> shadowing and i'll tell them up front and i said listen you know the purpose of me doing this because it's understand the it's it's important to understand why you're doing it you know, so you're doing it because you want to make sure that their voice is heard. You know, we rarely listen to students when it comes to decision making. So it's a great opportunity for them. And believe me, five-year-olds get that. When you, Even when you sit down with a five-year-old and, and you say in kindergarten, this is what I'm looking to do. All the way up to the AP student who's taking six AP courses, you know, as a junior or senior. Um, If they understand the purpose and you sit down for a 15 minute conversation, it's more of a dialogue. And then my last question is, are you okay with me doing this? Are you comfortable with me doing it? Once I get the green light from them, I let the building administrator know. I let the teachers know. Um, usually, I go to the classroom. They don't have to come to my office because that that can be scary for, for a lot of sure. people. you know, and, and I just say, listen, this is the reason why I'm doing it. And to be honest with you, i've I've never had a teacher or a student say no. and um, and I think that's because they understand the real purpose behind it and they see the benefit behind it. So again, i would I would do it that way. I'd probably start maybe doing odd grades one year, even grades another year, uh, and then get your feet wet and then the important thing too is i actually report out i actually talk about the experiences so i'll i'll talk about them at a board meeting i'll talk about them with the staff i'll say this is what i noticed this is what i heard what are your thoughts about it and then i'll embed that in in our state of the district address at the end of the year so everyone gets to see it it's not like it's done in a vacuum then i don't share the information with anybody. i actually share it with everybody
0: That's fantastic. So you mentioned earlier that one of the observations that you made as you were shadowing students um, was the length of time for PE um, and for that unstructured time, unstructured play time. So um, I've read a lot of your uh, posts and different things about the power of play. Um, Can you talk a little bit about um, why you feel the power of uh, play is something that we should be talking about right now in education?
1: No, sure. Um, you know, for some reason, play has been getting a bad rap uh, for, for some reason over the past 15, 20 years. And I'm not sure why. It's almost like people equate it with you doing nothing, you know, or having very low expectations. Um, but the reality is, if you look at the science behind play, if you look at the research from Dr. Peter Gray from Boston College, and he has a very uh, well known TED talk that's really extraordinary. Um, He talks about it from a biological standpoint, um, why it's why it's important and what's happened since 1950 to where we are right now is each generation has had less free time to do what they want to be bored. Um, to learn how to play with others. And the school system has certainly mirrored that. I mean, certainly we know for, since 1983 was a nation at risk and everyone thinks the U.S. education system has been falling apart and getting worse and then no child left behind. What we have been seeing is a squeezing of play. And as I say in my TED talk, um, it's on the endangered species list soon to be extinct. And what we need to do is really start bringing it back. and and. You have to also understand too that we are serving a generation of students that are more anxious, depressed, and suicidal than any generation before. And there's a whole myriad of reasons why that is. The great silver bullet, and I hate to use that term, because usually there aren't any silver bullets. Sure. But the rea- but the reality is if, if students had as much time to play as federal prisoners do, which is now by the way, um, I can almost guarantee you uh, we would have a significant uh, less amount of behavioral problems and certainly if people care about this sort of thing. I I don't, but a lot of people do, higher test scores because all the research points toward that coupled with social and emotional growth because we've been seeing, I would say, whether it's because of technology or just the times we live in, kids don't know how to interact with each other and Mm -hmm. with executive functioning skills. You know, when they're playing, they learn how to navigate. They learn how to take turns. They learn how, if things don't go their way, how to deal with those sort of things. And and kids have, have lost that opportunity over many, many years. And um, it's time we, we bring it back. And it's very easy to do. And it doesn't cost any money.
0: Absolutely. Preaching to the choir and keep preaching. I love that. Um, I was sharing with, uh, we were talking about in, in a restorative justice PLN group that I have that I participate in, we were talking about punishments and how uh, and consequences and how effective mm-hmm. are they. And one of the things that I, our group definitely agreed on is that is so frustrating and just wrong when teachers take a kid's recess time to uh, as a consequence for a behavior, and those are the ones that need that recess time, you know, the most. So so um, true. What are your thoughts about just, you know, not only not having enough recess time, but when we're weaponizing the uh, resource time?
1: No doubt. So, well, the first thing is for for me is I believe play is just as important uh, and recess uh, as anything that's taking place in the classroom, teaching content. So I want to be very clear about that. And I say to teachers, um, at least when we moved in this direction, I would never tell you to not teach a kid ELA, math or science, you know, to never pull them out of that particular class. So why do you think you can pull them out of recess? Because I think the bottom line is there should be no hierarchy when it comes to content areas, when it comes to the arts, the humanities, and certainly when it comes to physical education. Physical education gets such a bad rap. You know, there are some people who just think they're playing kickball or they're shooting hoops or whatever. But let me tell you something. Physical education, to me, if done the the proper way, um, is just as important as any AP class that's taught at the high school. And it's the same thing for recess. For 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 recess, because teachers think it's the only leverage point they have, you know, if kids don't do their homework. Well, we're going to hold you for 10, 15 minutes of recess. Well, I would say you would never withhold them from 15 minutes of a math lesson and you have to figure out a different way. Um, if you wanna hold, let's say, a child accountable, it'll never be through recess or play. And at first, you know, I would say probably less than 5%, 10% of the teachers you know, didn't buy into it, but I have to be honest with you, once we move to the model of 40 minutes of recess and then playtime during the day, and what I mean by playtime, I mean where adults get out of the way and it's all directed by students. They saw a decrease of behaviors, unwanted behaviors, discipline referrals by 50%, five zero. Wow. And so the the bottom line is if you trust the process and you trust the research and you actually test drive it and you see what it's like, you're never going to do that again. So that's kind of where we are right now. And it's not just us. I mean, you see all these different school districts in Texas and everywhere else across the United States that has look to increase recess, do the complete opposite, and they're getting the same results. So it's not just, you know, it's not just happening in one place. It's happening all over in pockets. The the question is, is leadership strong enough uh, to take that, to take that chance and take that journey with the community?
0: Absolutely. So um, what if you have uh, teachers listening in or leaders listening in to um, to your message uh, right now, and they're again agreeing with you. They, you know, you don't have to convince them, but they're having trouble um, convincing others, you know, that are above them, no matter what level they may be. Um, what would you? What advice would you give them?
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's it's one of the hardest things. We had we had uh, Sir Ken Robinson come out to to mm-hmm. speak to our school district a couple months ago. And um, the same question was really asked of him as far as they're like, well, we really like your message, Sir Ken, but how do, you, how do you scale that up? Like, how do you bring that in a much higher place? And his answer was pretty profound. And usually the most simple ones are the most profound. He's like, you start with you. You start maybe with a few others within your building. You start growing and you start promoting what you're doing. And then hopefully over time, it becomes a critical mass. So if I'm a teacher or I'm a parent, and I talk to teachers and parents in other districts all the time, you know, the bottom line is nothing will change unless there's a board of education and a superintendent who is looking to change a policy or to change their perspective about certain things. Because some principals will do it in pockets, but, you know, they're, they're anomalies more than anything. And the bottom line is, if you want to make a change within your school district, you have to. It's you need numbers. You need to bring a certain amount of people to board meetings or a certain amount of people to the principal's office and and say, this is what we want. Here are the reasons why. Here's the research behind it. And I always tell tell people if they want that research, they can certainly contact me because I have it in a file. I have all of those questions. I have all the answers for them. All they have to do is email me. I send it to them. It's almost like a startup kit as far as... (laughs) how to try to move it forward, either within your district or within your community. So for any of your listeners who would who would like that, I'd be more than happy to send it to them.
0: Thank you, thank you. And if they, um, how would they get in contact with you? We didn't, we normally take care of that at the end and we still will, but I think this is such a, uh, such a great uh, point to share as well. How would they get in touch
1: with you? Sure. Um, what they can do if, if they'd like to, I have a, a Twitter handle, <clears throat> so they can either follow me on Twitter or if you want, maybe with a link here, you can leave my email address at the bottom. They can certainly email me there and then yeah, I can absolutely. I can respond accordingly. You know, a lot of the research that I have for them to use, I mean, the CDC, for goodness sake, over the past three years have two different reports. Um, that they can use. And actually one of them has, has to do with the school and how they can roll it out within a particular school district. So sure. listen, the CDC um, has mountains of research and, and all the other things that I have. It's, it's almost, you actually, people look foolish when they say they don't want to do it because all the, all the research points to why you should do it. And usually, you know, it's like whenever you want to try to move something forward, people say here the top 10 reasons why you can't. Right. And it's like a dead sea scroll, the dead sea scroll list rolls out. And it's like, you know, two miles long. Well, what I try to do is to give them enough answers and enough uh, ammunition where they can respond accordingly.
0: I like that. You know, I remember not to age myself because, um, you may not know this michael very well but i'm 28 forever like that's my thing i'm 28 my (laughs) middle school uh students when i was a principal even came up with that hashtag 28 forever so that's but when i was in school when i was in elementary in louisiana where i where i'm from um we had first of all we had half day kindergarten Mm -hmm. Um, And then even as we transitioned to first grade being full day throughout elementary, we had two recesses. So you had about 20 minutes. You had a morning recess. And then you had an afternoon recess. Um, So
1: and here you are.
0: (laughs) And here I am. Right. Half day. Right. And so um, jumping into education and having my own children and and moving and moving away from Louisiana, being in a different state. You know, it was very shocking to me that their first experience in kindergarten was, first of all, all day long, and then um, the, the amount of play, you know, and how it was, oh, we're incorporating in the class, we uh, have stations, which I love stations, don't get me wrong.
1: Sure. But no I have
0: boys, so I need them to be outside. And even Moving. if I have girls, I would say the same thing. I need them to work off some of that five-year-old, six-year-old energy that I can't bottle up and take right now.
1: <laughs> no, there is no doubt. Isn't, isn't that amazing? Because you're 100% accurate. You know, at least in New York, you know, most kindergartners up until probably 15, 17 years ago were half-day kindergartens too. And, you know, but now kindergarten's first grade right now first grade is second or third grade depending on where you are which is really a travesty because I think a lot of educators don't understand developmentally you know Piaget Erickson they Mm. don't understand developmental stages they either took one course and they forgot who they are Um, but we we have forgotten as educators where kids are and where to meet them Um, and it's really it's it's critical to think that play isn't an important part, especially in, at the primary levels. Sure. And listen, you look at Waldorf schools, Montessori schools. Mm-hmm. You look at what they do in Finland. I just came back from Finland, as you as you know. Yes. And 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 the school day is shorter; it's only four hours long, mm-hmm. and they have four breaks for the kids throughout the day. Wow. So the day is shorter. They have four breaks for kids, and if again, if you care about test scores, I'm not saying you, but the listeners, if they do. Finland's usually in the top four, top five internationally, as far as being the top, you know, educational systems in the world. And so it's time that we actually just take a pause and, and look at best practices, universal best practices. And it's not, it's, you know what it is? It's not rocket science. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing that drives me crazy. It's just yeah. not.
0: It's not, as we say in Louisiana, you just have to use your common sense with your common sense. Right? Like you just have to. <laughs> well, I really have enjoyed our conversation, and clearly you are very passionate about kids and how they learn, how they understand. What compelled you to become an educator to begin with?
1: I, you know, I think that the number one thing for, for most of us who are educators is that we just want to serve. We want to serve others. So, being a, having a service mentality, initially I wanted to be a psychologist, clearly. That didn't work out. So um, uh, that's why I have a beard. <laughs> um, but I, being, being an educator, I was n- n- uh, first an elementary school um, teacher. And those are my fondest moments as a former student was was at the elementary level. So I just wanted to give back to my community. And and I'm very fortunate uh, to have that opportunity. But it's about serving and having kids reach their potential and finding out where their talents are before it's too late. Because a lot of kids don't know what they're good at. And they have no idea how good they can be at something while they are in school for 13 years. So my job as a teacher was to make sure they knew what that was.
0: Sure. My kindergarten teacher, her name was Miss Graham. She gave the best hugs, and she was soft and 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 cuddly. And there was a lot of Miss Graham, and we just loved it. She would just bring us in and hop on the floor uh, and read with us on car in carpet time. And from that moment, I felt like school should always be fun like this. Like everyone deserves a Miss Graham, you know, that was quick to smile and quick to hug, um, and also hold you accountable to make sure you learn and you're polite and you did all the things that you need to do to be good at school. But um, it was so much deeper than that. So I've gone through life thinking, um, thinking through that with my instruction as a teacher, even my leadership. How can we make sure people have more Miss Grahams and they have that experience? Who was your teacher? Who was your Miss Graham?
1: Yeah, uh, Mrs. Niemeyer, she was uh, in my fifth grade teacher and she used to bring a guitar to school. Um, she used to actually just open the doors and let us go outside and, and actually have autonomy. It was, it was the first time we learned how to be independent um, and she gave lots of hugs too. Um, she was uh, truly the, the first person I felt I can be myself in class and, and not be worried about what other people thought. Um, she actually loved the fact that people were different and unique and she pointed out their uniqueness and you didn't feel so um, just worried about what, what that was. Cause you know, what's happening sure. in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, you start sure. freaking out about how different you are. Yeah. And um, she, she really brought that uh, to the forefront, but her musical sense as far as making school fun um I haven't forgotten her this day. Actually the day, the first day I, I got my teaching job, I actually reached out to her and told her. And, and you know, as you can imagine what, what that's like, right? Sure. For being being an educator, if someone did that to you or I, I'd probably start crying.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and, and that's what she did and, and understandably so because sometimes you don't know the impact you have until 20 years later, mm-hmm. 25 years later. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, she, she's a beautiful woman.
0: It takes time for change. And and so I I agree with you. Sometimes it's much later when we get to see the change or impact that we've made in children's lives. So I have a fun question for you. Over the holidays uh, with my family and it doesn't matter that my boys are taller and bigger and can pick me up now um, that they're young men, but they still love their superheroes and so do I. So we went to go see (laughs) Aquaman and it was fantastic um who's your favorite superhero and why
1: uh i would say it's it's funny um i used to love superheroes a lot actually so i would say spider-man spider-man's my my favorite because he was he was in high school he was scrawny he was a little nerdy um but (laughs) what a lot of people didn't know was that he was out there saving people and in many ways um i'm pretty quiet relatively nerdy um but my i think my job is to is to help people and 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 to try to go as unnoticed as possible but by far he was he was my favorite growing up and i think because he again he was so he was supposed to be young when he was doing what he was doing um really resonated with me so yeah superheroes Boy, I can watch everyone right now. I'm, I'm, I'm 48, but I can, I can watch them all like, <laughs> like, it's, like it's nobody's business. That is so funny. I didn't see Aquaman yet, though. I heard it was pretty good.
0: It was pretty fantastic. It was pretty fantastic. And maybe either um, want to go back to Hawaii or jump into the nearest pool for <laughs> sure. Um, because I'm from the bayou, so I, I am very superstitious. And I'm pretty sure Atlantis exists. And uh, so does Bigfoot. So there you no go. Doubt. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Um, so this has been so fun. And, um, and I know our listeners have, have just, you know, had not just received some insight, but I think some inspiration about how to keep the main thing, the main thing, but what the main thing, um, also needs to be, cause it, there's a list of things, right. And sometimes I feel like we get lost in the latest, greatest thing, not talking down about any of these things, but we always hear like these keywords like STEM and, and doing all these things. And I feel like, we can't forget the basics and play is one of those fundamental things. So what advice would you give a new teacher entering our profession and they're being bombarded Mm -hmm. by all of these, you know, PBL, STEM, STEAM, all these different words or things, um, or what advice would you give a leader that, um, that has to lead in in an environment where, the district or the the momentum is this way, but they may feel like some of the basics are being left behind.
1: Yeah, it's not easy. It is not easy being an educator right now. Uh, the teachers get beat up all the time. It drives me crazy. Uh, certainly administrators do too, especially mental management. That's, that's really tough because you're in purgatory, you know, sure, sure. you're not quite here and you're serving mm-hmm. others. The best advice I would give is, um, Again, I go back to the first question you asked is, the first thing I did was um, define my three core values. Like, what are the three hills I'm going to die on? What are they? You can't have 10, you can't have 20, but make it three. And whatever those three are, those are your three focal points as you're making decisions. Whether as as a leader, um, you know, forging through a storm because you're going to hit storms all the time. Um, but to me, it's like my lamppost. I, I, I know in the end, if I'm making decisions based on my three core values and everybody's core values can be different, but just make sure they are yours. And, um, I, I would, I would first do that because you know what happens after 15, 20 years in sometimes or even 25 years, I'm getting closer to that is that you forget why you went into this whole thing of, of helping okay. kids and serving kids. Like you, you forget. But if you have your core values, you will never forget. And if anything, they may change over time. They actually actually may change as, and evolve as, as you do as an adult and as an, as an educator. But I would that's the first thing I would do because many of us forget the purpose of education and we forget the reason why we're here. So I, I always think it's good to revisit that and to define what that is.
0: I love that. Michael, this has been such a treat for me. Um, to hear your story, hear what you're passionate about. Um, I know we shared it earlier in in our time together today, but if someone would like to learn more, um, to get in touch with you, hear, straight, hear it straight from the horse's mouth, how do they get in touch with you one last time?
1: Sure. Um, there's a couple things they can do. I actually have a YouTube channel that I'm trying to to pull up. I, I, of course, I I don't, I always forget the name of it. Um, okay. It's called whole child education with Dr. Michael Hines. So if you go there, I have about 50 or 60 videos. Um, and a lot of them have to do with what's happening within the school day. Some of them are just random thoughts, but a lot of them have to do with my trip to Finland. And if anybody is interested in looking at um, a different school system, you can do that. And then of course, to the YouTube channel, you can, we, we can um, correspond that way. But then again, my Twitter, my Twitter account at MikeKinds5. Um, if you follow me there, I have, you know, hopefully some things that, that you can use in, in some capacity. And then, like I said before, if you want, uh, maybe you can link up my email address and I can certainly correspond with people that way. But again, thank you so much for this opportunity. I've been, it's been a real blessing to be able to speak with you.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Michael. And I will definitely uh, include that contact as well uh, in, in this podcast for sure in the description or in the notes section. So thank you again thank for you. sharing tonight. And, EduGladiators, um, I hope this has inspired you to remember that play is important and, and it's powerful. And that's something that we need to make sure that we're gladiating for uh, with our kids. Thanks, Michael.
1: Thank you. You know back, you back, know